Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Yes, yes, yes. I got an email that really broke my heart this morning, and it broke my heart not because, you know, I... um, I feel like I didn't do something or there's something I could actually do to make the listener feel better. But it broke my heart because I know he's not alone. It broke my heart because um, there are days when I feel exactly the same way. And that is kind of uh, overwhelmed and distressed and worried. Worried about my country, worried about the future for my children and grandchildren all the same things that this gentleman mentioned in his email to me. And the all I could do was try and console him uh, by telling him what my husband's T-shirt says today. He's wearing a T-shirt that says, I read the last chapter in the book, God Wins. And, you know, sometimes it's something simple like that that you have to hold on to because the news is pretty darn scary. I mean, just today, I am looking at headlines all over the place, including in conservative and liberal aggregate websites and uh, international websites. And the top headline in, you know, even on the BBC news page, Yahoo News, uh, all over the place is Russia says tank promises show direct and growing Western involvement in Ukraine. Russia said it saw the promised delivery of Western tanks to Ukraine as evidence of direct and growing U.S. and European involvement in the conflict. Of course, this is the Kremlin is uh, reacting to the announcements by the President of the United States, uh, one Joe Biden, and the Chancellor of Germany yesterday, that they were going to arm Ukraine with dozens of battle tanks. And the Kremlin spokesperson said there are constant statements from European capitals in Washington that the sending of various weapon systems to Ukraine, including tanks, in no way signifies the involvement of these countries or the alliance in hostilities in Ukraine. We categorically disagree with this, and in Moscow, everything that the alliance and the capitals I mentioned are doing is seen as direct involvement in the conflict, and we see that this is growing. So I'm trying to figure this out, okay? The president yesterday said that the tanks pose no offensive threat to Russia and that they were needed to help the Ukrainians improve their ability to maneuver in open terrain. Does that make sense or pass the smell test to anybody out there? Because until now, both Ukraine and Russia 
have been relying primarily, both of them, on these Soviet-era T-72 tanks. So, <laughs> you know, this is definitely an escalation. And wh whether or not Russia launched this invasion, which it did, started this war, which it did by invading on February 24th a year ago, this is not our fight. And I'm one of the people who early on said, we don't ever need to put boots on the ground, but we need to support the Ukrainian forces and get Europe to pick up the pace of their support so that Ukraine can fight. You know, no guarantee that Ukraine can win, but had we armed them the way we're arming them now at the very beginning, then perhaps they would have prevailed. And if not prevailed, perhaps just tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives might have been, might have been uh, saved on both sides, by the way. But we didn't do that. Instead, we hemmed and hawed and played footsie with Zelensky and basically, you know, gave uh, uh, Vladimir Putin the middle finger. Okay, that's not how you negotiate peace. And I don't hear anybody. The, the gentleman who wrote me an email this morning said, like, is anybody ever going to talk about, like, peace, sitting down and having a discussion, some diplomacy? I thought Democrats were all about, he didn't say this, I'm adding this. This is my uh, commentary. I thought Democrats were all about diplomacy, right? Like, we got to have a strong State Department that can, uh, you know, prevent wars from breaking out all over the world. What happened to that idea? You know, what happened to that idea on the part of what I assume uh, are the non-neocons that now make up the majority of the Republican Party? Like, what happened? I, I understand they're busy with debt ceiling and they're busy with elections and all this very important stuff. I don't mean to minimize the importance of what Congress is doing right now. But maybe preventing a war would come pretty high up on your to-do list, you know? But not so far. So now we have a special military operation taking place in Ukraine showing that the United States and NATO are okay with the military conflict and now want to become participants. And, and that's pretty scary. What, what it looks like or what Russia is saying it looks like is a proxy war against Russia. And by the way, Russia has a very large ally that uh, we are also poking in the chest, and that would be China. He, he goes on to say, this uh, press commentator in Russia, that, of course, you know, they're, they're talking about the leopard tanks, which Berlin and NATO are sending. It says, he says, the leopard is similar to its living feline relative in being stealthy. Perhaps this is the most camouflaged tank, which is not so easy to spot even from the air. Because of this, attacking it from a long distance presents certain difficulties. But indestructible tanks do not exist in nature. Y you know, I don't know about the rest of you, but I do know that this one listener and certainly myself and and since almost the inception of this a year ago uh tucker carlson are starting to get really nervous about this and starting to perceive that um nothing good is going to come of these western tanks 
being sent at this stage in this conflict. Nothing good for us, you know. Um, will it prolong what I think is the inevitable of Russia actually taking control of large parts, if not the entire country of Ukraine? You know, I can't answer that question. I don't think anybody can, but I'm getting real nervous. You know, the battle on the ground there, the reports that we're reading, it's getting very bloody. And, you know, transferring 31 Abrams tanks to supposedly thwart an anticipated Russian spring offensive and galvanize our European allies, because you can just imagine, Germany came to, pre to the State Department, probably to Kirby, and said, yo, we're not sending these, uh, you know, these tanks these feline-named tanks, the leopards, if you're not sending Abrams. And so, you know, the State Department in an uproar and they go to the president and say, like, you know, we really, we need to send them. Let's, let's get the Department of Defense in here. And, and then they call up our defense uh, secretary, this, this creature who, I, you know, I don't know, but... I have not heard anything of importance come out of this guy's mouth. They don't apparently put him in front of the media, the press too much. They let his uh, press uh, liaison do all the speaking because he's just not impressive at all. I mean, he has to be the least. This is a, a an administration comprised of some of the least impressive people in important positions ever. Karine uh, Jean-Pierre, the least impressive you know, uh, press secretary in decades. Lloyd Austin, the third, the least impressive secretary of defense in decades. You know, these are kind of important positions. You want to put people in there, not because of the color of their skin, not because of the people they sleep with, not because uh, you have to check a box, but because they can really, 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 really do their job. And, and, and I don't see that to such a large extent in this administration that it, it's scary. It is really scary. And, you know, the idea that we would even debate whether or not people like Elon Omar and Adam Schiff and, and Eric Swalwell should be seated on our, our foreign intelligence committee is laughable. Laughable. So guess who's, uh, who, who said, well, if I'm not going to be on the Intel Committee, I'm announcing today that I'm uh, ready to lead as California's next U.S. senator. Really? I, um, could somebody, you know, tell, uh, tell his colleagues that? Apparently, he submitted some applications to the new speaker, Kevin McCarthy, for some committee seats, and he was denied. He was rejected. And the next thing you know, it's like, well, you know, uh, Diane Feinstein, uh, too old. I'm going. I want to be your next senator. Wow. So you really were an awful lying sack of boob poop in the Congress, in the House of Representatives. So you believe we should elevate you to the deliberative body, which would be the United States Senate. Mm. That would be like me going into my boss, right? After having a particularly bad book, which means like, you know, nobody was listening to the show. 
which is, thank God, not true in my case. But it'd be like on the heels of abysmal failure, I would walk into the uh, general manager's office or into the program director's office or into the, uh, you know, the chief executive of Hubbard Radio uh, in, in Missouri, and I would walk into their office and go, hey, in spite of the fact that I really stink at my job, I think you should make me the, uh, the director of all of the station and let me be on the air whenever I want to be for however long I want to be. And them saying, oh, good idea. You know what they would say? Here's your walking papers. Here's a pink slip. Get out of here right now before we call the police. That, that's how it would end, right? But, but instead of Schiff being escorted out of Congress in shame, as he should be, maybe arm in arm with George Santos, it's okay with me, and Eric Swalwell, um, instead, he, he's going to run for the Senate. In spite of the fact that Dianne Feinstein has never said she's not going to run for the Senate, but that's probably because she doesn't know what day it is, never mind what she's going to do. So in 2024, Adam Schiff, the ultra-liberal congressman from California, has now officially announced his intention to run for the Senate in 2024, following in the footsteps of some great senators like Kamala Harris. Just saying, you know, just calling it like I see it. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. You know, the people who work in Washington, D.C. are starting to complain about the crime in D.C. It almost makes me gag to hear Mitch McConnell blasting the mayors and everybody else, uh, you know, the councilmen in the District of Columbia, which is not even a state, saying to them, hey, uh, you know, it's really rather difficult for those of us who have to work, if you could call what we do work in a city where there's just so much crime, because Lord knows most of us come from areas of the country where there's significantly less crime. Although probably not him, because Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, has uh, you know escalated, has as has Chicago, Philadelphia, San Francisco. So when you point at the recent crime wave in D.C. and call it a free-for-all, maybe you ought to look at your state that you've been representing for whatever. He even threw that in. He said, my hometown, Louisville, saw 10 homicides in just the first 10 days of 2023. Oh, sorry. I mean, even imitating him is boring, okay? Never mind listening to him. Uh, I'm going to take a break. We've got to take care of a little business. I do have a guest coming up in the second half of the show, not this next segment, but the one after, live from the nation of Israel. So you don't want to miss that. Stay right where you are. <laughs> 
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yeah, so uh, there you go. We're going to have, most likely, because it's California we're talking about, most likely we'll have uh, Senator Adam Schiff. That would be just just peachy keen, you know. Listen, uh, nothing would surprise me. You know, you should get elevated. The worse you are, the quicker you will rise to the top, it would appear. Um, Now, of course, today the other news besides the fact that we're teetering on the brink of a World War III, which is a pretty serious story, but uh, one that's a little less serious but kind of interesting is the fact that uh, Facebook, or should I call it Meta, has ended the two-year ban of your favorite president. Yesterday, they said they're going to reinstate Donald Trump on Facebook and Instagram following a two-year ban put in place after the January 6th riot, prompting a scathing reply by the Republican leader. I just love this guy. I just want him back so bad. He wrote his response in his own social media platform, Truth Social, slamming Meta for banning him in the first place. He also thanked Truth Social for doing an incredible job and giving him a voice when those on the left attempted to silence him. Facebook, which has lost billions of dollars in value since deplatforming me, has just announced that they're reinstating my account. Such a thing should never again happen to a sitting president or anybody else who is not des- deserving of retribution. Thank you to Truth Social for doing such an incredible job. Your growth is outstanding and future unlimited. Meta made the announcement that it would end Trump's suspension on Facebook and Instagram in the coming weeks, but followed it with the caveat that he would face severe penalties if the former president violated their vague and fluid rules, according to Fox. Nick Clegg, who is the president of Global Affairs at Meta, proclaimed that the company had determined Trump is no longer a serious risk to public safety and that they had instituted guardrails for his return to the social media platforms. (laughs) Guardrails, okay? You know, they they really, they just never learn their lesson is what it seems like. To assess whether the serious risk to public safety that existed in January 2021 has been sufficiently receded, we have have evaluated the current environment according to our crisis policy protocol. I mean, these people are so officious. They think so much of them, of themselves, that they would say something like that it's just mind-boggling but they do it they do it all the time it's just it's just it's frustrating that's what it is it's why the listener wrote me so terribly oppressed and upset because they understand that it's just getting worse and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And again, all I can tell you is what it says in my husband's t-shirt today. I read the entire book in the final chapter and in the end, God wins. 
Because if I didn't believe that, I could not get on the air every single day. I couldn't look at the news and, and read these stories. I couldn't take seriously the, uh, the, the insanity that these tech oligarchs um, have done, booting people off of their platforms, shadow banning, even like a small potato like me getting shadow banned. It's really, it's just so unfair. And, 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 and Trump um, was the president of the United States when Twitter suspended him when Meta suspended him on Instagram and on Facebook. And, you know, most of us could not afford to go create our own platform the way he did. And even him, it was tedious. It took forever to get it up. And now we're going to have these guardrails. You know, what does that even mean? Because if you don't have the, the public airwaves of the public spaces open to people who are running for office, not just any office, but, you know, Congress, the Senate, governors, uh, and, and of course, the president of the United States, if they don't have equal access to these platforms that are being used by their opponents, that's absolutely undemocratic. You cannot have a republic that'll function in that manner. If Trump violates Meta's rules, which we still don't know what they are or, you know, how to navigate, it could result in another ban ranging from one month to two years based on the quotation remarks around this on the severity of the violation, end quote. So apparently, no matter what they do, they can't please the left by letting them back on, even if they put all these guardrails in. They can't please the people on the right like me because we see what a lame attempt this is to shut us up. <coughs> and that's why I, I can't, you know, uh, if I were Donald Trump, I would realize that I need Facebook and I need, uh, you know, Twitter in a presidential election. And if it were not for Elon Musk purchasing Twitter and the release of the Twitter files, they probably wouldn't let him back on. And that would be pretty intense. Congress would almost have to wade into those election waters. <coughs> How can you have a fair election if one candidate is allowed access and the other is not? You can't. All right. <coughs> As I choke to death, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. So now uh, the little country of Denmark has decided to call for compulsory military conscription for women because they have such a, I guess, tiny little armed forces. And now they'll be able to meet their requirements under the NATO membership. It would also be beneficial for the military if it had more women employed, said the Danish Defense Minister and Deputy Prime Minister Jacob Elliman Jensen in an interview. Currently, women can join on a voluntary basis while men generally are required to serve if they are called on under a lottery system. The new measure has the backing of several women's organizations and comes as Denmark, like the rest of Europe, provides increasing levels of support to Ukraine in the war to oust Russia from the country. Well, good, because in my mind, Europe is the one with Everything at stake in this conflagration between Russia and the Ukraine, not us, but it's looking ever, ever more 
likely that we are going to end up much more involved in this than we ever imagined. By the way, I had scheduled a guest for the 12.30 slot, but that uh, didn't work out because of uh, we're restricted and where we can place phone calls to, which I didn't know until today. So um, we will we will postpone that interview, but I do want to talk with, uh, with Shmuel about this incredible organization that builds bomb shelters. And if you've been to Israel, like I have as many times as I have, you've either run into a bomb shelter or certainly visited one. Uh, today, for the very first time, a congressman, a Representative Jake Ochenslas, decided to deliver a speech on a bill that would create a U.S.-Israel artificial intelligence center, and he decided to let the artificial intelligence do the talking. It's a two-paragraph speech that he's going to read. He's from Massachusetts. I'm guessing he's related to uh, the Kennedys because that was uh, the family of uh, Jacqueline. Uh, the brief two-paragraph speech was generated by the online AI chatbot, ChatGPT. His, his staff said they believe it's the first time an AI written speech was read in Congress. Said he prompted the system in part to write 100 words to deliver on the floor of the House of Representatives about the legislation. Alshenklaus said he had to refine the prompt several times to produce the text he ultimately read. The bill, which he's refiling, would establish a joint U.S.-Israel AI center in the United States to serve as a hub for AI research and development in the public, private, and education sectors. He said part of the decision to read a chatbot-generated text was to help spur debate on AI and the challenges and opportunities created by it. He said he doesn't want to see a repeat of the advent of social media, which started small and ballooned faster than Congress could react. I'm the youngest parent in the Democratic caucus. AI is going to be part of my life, and it could be a general purpose technology for my children. He's 34 years old. I've been reading a lot about this uh, AI chatbot, and I read somewhere, I guess it was over the weekend, might even be the subject matter that I'm talking about in my No Restraint podcast next week. But I think that... Um, that we won't even need human beings after a while um, really to do most of the heavy lifting when it comes to government, when it comes to uh, trade, when it comes to decision-making about domestic policies. You know, the direction we're heading in is ceding more and more of the responsibilities of operating the United States of America to artificial intelligence. And I can be as hostile as I want to this technology, and I'm pretty darn hostile. You know, I'm, I'm late to most of these technology parties, although I must admit I did um, get involved on the internet very early on. I just saw it as an information a vehicle which anybody who's doing a talk radio program welcomes anytime you can get access to information more easily. So I, I actually did participate and did learn how to navigate the World Wide Web um, in, the, in the very first year that it became accessible to the public and computers were more 
uh, affordable. And so, well, and even when they weren't affordable, radio stations did have them. And so, um, you know, I'm not a, 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 I'm not a Neanderthal. I don't avoid technology. I just pick and choose what kind of technology that I want to use myself and that I want to be a party to, supporting. And I have a tough time with some of this uh, AI stuff, with the idea that, you know, something that we refer to glibly as an algorithm is actually a method of reading my information or my information being gathered and used in most instances, not in my best interest, okay? Because the algorithms that were used to shadow ban me or to take my church service off of Facebook, off of streaming Facebook, because you know the algorithm got triggered by something that was said, really upsets me because it takes things out of context all the time. You know, the problem with an algorithm is if it's looking for a phrase or it's looking for an, a, a, a single word, you know, the context in which it was said or written is relevant. You know, if you say insurrection, well, are you saying it as, as a reporter? Are you saying it as an insurrectionist? You know, what is the context of the sentence that the algorithm picked up? <coughs> All right. Um, then let's go ahead. I, I, um, <coughs> uh, can we just take a quick break and get ready for this? All right. Let's do that. Let's take a quick break. My guest is on the line. I'll be talking to him in just a moment. So stay right where you are. All right, and welcome back. We had a little bit of a problem because we are not able to access a telephone line internationally in the studio today, but we did have our guest, Shmuel Bowman, who was uh, uh, born and raised in Toronto, or maybe raised, I don't know. Were you born there, Shmuel? Yeah, I was born. Hello there, Joyce. I was born in Toronto. Okay. And raised there and made Aliyah moved to Israel uh, 30 years ago. Okay, I know a lot of uh, Canadians from the Toronto area who have done exactly that or moved to the States. Uh, Canada is not like it used to be, but then again, neither is the United States. Um, I think the story, as I heard it, of the Operation Life Shield, which has been around since what? You guys got started like uh, almost 20 years ago. Exactly. We started in 2006 as a response to the Second Lebanon War. Okay. Now, the last time I was in Israel, which was March of the last year, um, I did notice that while I had always uh, made note in, in places like Ashkelon and Sederat of all of the bomb shelters that were there, there were a lot more sh bomb shelters and in more urban and major cities than I'd ever seen before. Is that true? Yes, exactly. Um, and I was thinking how actually you and I had a conversation back in August of, of uh, 2010, and I was thinking about what has changed and what hasn't changed, and you've got it exactly right. The range of rockets has changed in this period of time since we spoke last. Mm -hmm. And so you're absolutely correct. The, the you know, 11 years ago, um, rockets had a shorter range, 
they were deadly and powerful, but they were kind of affecting rural, what we call kibbutz, right, communities Mm -hmm. near the Gaza border. Today, rockets have a comfortable uh, range of about 25 miles, which includes cities like, as you mentioned, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Beersheba, obviously Mm -hmm. Sterot, affecting about a million Israelis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they're they're more intense, if I can say that. You know, they're no longer very simplistic, just um, uh, caves. You know, originally they were very cave-like, and now they are. They look much more adaptable for long-term um, coverage, which also disturbed me. I mean, obviously, people running into bomb shelters are hoping they can run right back out, but that may not be true anymore with sustained missile attacks. Right. So, exactly. I think when when the terrorists started their, their rocket attacks, they were grabbing things like, you know, road signs, you know, the hollow steel posts and sawing them off and coming up with rudimentary and basic um, explosives. Today, they're bringing weapons in from Iran, they're professionally manufactured. We're talking about rockets uh, like Rad rockets and even the M75 Fajirs. These are long range. They're accurate, very deadly. And Joyce, they're packing them with shrapnel, uh, which, by the way, I believe is against the United Nations Human Rights uh, Committee, I believe. But they're somehow against the Geneva Convention on that. And uh, this is being fired indiscriminately at civilians, at children, elderly, families, Holocaust survivors, they don't care. And, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's more powerful than before and more regular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be that they would launch one rocket off at a time. Today they can link them up in a, like a battery, if you will, of rockets, launch them simultaneously, and you can have dozens of rockets being fired at the same time. It's quite a challenge. And you know what is really disturbing to me is that if you're sitting in America as I am or even in Canada as maybe members of your family are and you're looking at news stories, you will not not hear about, uh, you know, interceptions by the uh, dome or people who were saved by going into a bomb shelter. But the minute the Israeli troops killed 10 uh, in the West Bank, 10 terrorists uh, you know, that's a front page news story here. Um, and, and of course, I know the difference. I know why the media reports it that way. But how do you overcome that? How do you get people to fund the effort to put in bomb shelters when all they hear is like, you know, the, the raid on the Jenin refugee camp? Right. So the the battle on the airwaves, the battle in social media is real trench warfare. Um, and unfortunately, we're, you know, we, we have a real handicap. We have a handicap because we're, Israel, the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, is a moral and ethical army. We're not aiming at citizens. We're, we're, we're very careful about going after the actual terrorists, the people with their finger on the trigger. And we've actually, you know, I can tell you this, I, you know, two of my sons were, were soldiers in the IDF, um, I can't go into details, but I can tell you that many decisions are made and canceled if civilians are, Palestinian civilians are in harm's way. You're not finding that on the other side. So we have a very, we have a difficult story to tell. The other problem is, is that in social media, 
you can come up, somebody can come along and say something like Israel, you know, uh, Israel equals apartheid. And mm. the problem is, is that our response can't be, you know, no, it's not. Our mm. response is much more detailed and lengthy because it's about the truth. And people don't have time to read or listen to the truth. So thank God we have people who are truth seekers and people who are supportive of Israel, and they stand with us. To protect lives. And when I say lives, I mean all lives. Shelters are for everybody, and rockets don't know the difference if it's aimed at a Jew, a Muslim, a Christian, a foreign worker from Thailand, Christian pilgrims. It doesn't make a difference. As far as we're concerned, every life is created in the image of God, and mm-hmm. we're here to do our best to protect that, and thank God for the people who help us do that. Yeah, and and I, obviously you are a man of faith, and you're actually a, a scholar of the Torah, and you would not be involved in anything that was not of God. So uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty confident that Operation Life Shield, which you've been involved in since the inception, correct? Yes, exactly. Since the mm-hmm. very beginning, and I'll tell you, Joyce, I would have loved very, very much. If our enemies would have come to the conclusion that, you know, it's much better to be friends and let's try and all, let's, let's get on board of the, you know, Abraham Accords and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. that's not happening. That's not mm-hmm. been happening. I would have loved to have been able to have a conversation with you about wonderful other projects, perhaps mm-hmm. health care and education. But right. unfortunately, we still need to be saving lives and protecting lives, and that's currently what's going on. So... Uh, yeah. That you know, we do things in 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 uh, in a spirit-filled way. Um, as I say, we we really truly believe, Joyce, that the enemies of Israel are really the enemies of God, mm-hmm. and that they are really at war with with the God's chosen people and the people who stand with us. Mm-hmm. So that's our battle, Joyce. Yeah, it is, and 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 the reality on the ground there today is that the IDF has to brace for escalation because of the, uh, the, the, uh, what happened in the West Bank. Uh, there will be retaliation. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful that you have a government in place right now that I believe is concerned about the safety and the welfare of, of all because uh, we don't have that in my country right now. And we do not have an administration that is as supportive of Israel as I would like to see, you know, as the last administration was. And yet I know that, you know, your prime minister and your defense minister, Gallant, that they're going to do what they need to do with or without the assistance of, uh, you know, the Western nations. Uh, But that just leaves more work for you and these uh, other organizations that do this out of the goodness of their heart and need the funding. How can people get more information and, and get involved? So uh, the best way to get in touch with us, either on our website at operationlifeshield.org, mm-hmm. and they can also find us on social media, whether it's uh, Facebook, um, Instagram, and Twitter. So we're, we're, we're across those platforms. And just look for Operation Life Shield. Get in touch. Uh, check out what we're doing. We also provide news feeds so that up to the up to the minute news is being shared. The kind of stuff that's not really going to be on the regular news sites, except of course for your show. Um, and uh, and so they can get in touch with us there. So it's operationlifeshield.org. 
Yeah, and I'm going to link that to my page because, uh, it, you know, that kind of information, like I said, you know, we get only the horror stories from the perspective of the anti-Israel forces in the world and particularly in liberal media. Right. But we do the best we can. Right. To, now, people, you know, don't, people don't realize that, you know, since 2001, over 30,000 rockets and mortar shells have been fired at Israeli citizens. And oh, yeah. Uh, you know, last I, May of 2020, uh, 2021, 4,300 rockets were fired at Israel within two weeks. And this past August, just this past August, 1,100 rockets were fired towards Israel within three days. I think that's a human rights crime. No one's talking about it, so I'm glad you and I are. Yes, it is a human rights crime. And, and you know, I remember standing in uh, one of those uh, border towns uh, uh, along the Gaza, um, and, you know, I think you and I had this conversation 13 years ago, and I said, you know, the, the people on one side are marching kids around with Kalashnikovs, and the people on the Israeli side are teaching their children how not to be traumatized by the kids who are marching around and making them run into bomb shelters all the time. And that's, you know, that saving lives is very important, but the, this is a, a war zone. And, you know, my, my hope is that through an organization like Operation Life Shield, um, you can protect those lives, especially those innocent children and, and, and schools that, you know, become targets for the maniacs. Um, thank you so much for coming on today. Appreciate talking to you. Continue the good work. Thank you so much, Joyce. Shalom from Israel. Shalom. All right, that's it. OperationLifeShield.org. You should go to the website. He's right. There's a lot of information there and all kinds of projects. And yes, if you can see these bomb shelters, they look like portable, large-scale uh, lavatories, really. And uh, they're steel-reinforced. They're concrete-fortified shelters. And some of them are all steel shelters. They put them in places like schools and kindergartens and parks and senior citizen centers. They're all above ground. They're fully accessible. And they meet the strictest standards of the uh, Israeli Defense Forces Home Front Command. And, and then they just pick them up on a truck and they relocate them wherever they need to be. You know, these are... This is the modern way of doing this. The, the, the bomb shelters that were, you know, dug into mountainsides can't be moved. So if you've got 500 shelters that you can move around from any to any municipality that needs a shelter, it's preparing against an enemy attack, well, then guess what? You've definitely uh, done a good deed. So if you want to be blessed, uh, the Bible tells me that he who blesses Israel will be blessed. And he who curses Israel will be cursed. So you want to be on the right side of this discussion and this debate. OperationLifeShield.org. Um, and I'm glad I was able to talk to Shmuel. I do remember talking to him back. It was just when I had come back from Israel from a defense uh, tour that I took of Israel, which was very different than the last uh, two tours, but uh, very interesting because I learned how they protect the people there, and it's a multi-pronged approach. You had the Iron Dome, which was up, um, and then, of course, the sort of organizations who do this life-saving stuff on the ground. Anyway, so much I did not get to today, but that's okay because I'll get to it tomorrow. And, and if I don't get to it tomorrow, um, I'll get to it in a No Restraint podcast. Uh, the beauty of all this is that uh, I have a lot of time. Um, again, 
I know that there are a bunch of people out there who heard my opening and are worried and concerned, like uh, my listener, Marshall, and you should be. And you should be making sure that you let your elected representatives know that you do not understand why um, we keep poking the bear in the chest. And it's either all in or maybe we need to stop. Because now, of course, the Ukraine is asking for F-16 fighter jets. If we do that, I don't see how Putin cannot respond to that, to that move. And I don't know what that madman is capable of doing. But I do know that you cannot get these tanks and you cannot get these F-16 fighter jets without accompanying uh, American forces to train the people in the use of these technologies and then possibly to be on the ground when there's some serious fighting going on. The other story I didn't get to was the New England, uh, New England, New Zealand prime minister who called it quits, you know, standing there with her three-month-old baby saying like, I just, there's no gas left in the tank. You know, after you practically destroyed uh, this wonderful uh, New Zealand, one of the few places left on earth that looks and feels like paradise, after you imposed draconian um restrictions on them throughout the whole COVID thing, you're just going to step away now and say, well, I think it's time for me to be a mom. Well, you you had that baby while you were the leader, the prime minister. So you just thought of this? They just, they lie. They lie on Washington, in Washington. They lie in Europe, uh, European countries. They lie everywhere. So that's why none of us believe anything that they say. The only person you can believe is uh, one Donald Trump. And you know why you can believe him? Because he really doesn't care what anybody thinks. And therefore, he is free to tell the truth. And that should be doing that for me. Um, uh, we have Tomorrow, we will be talking about uh, the math problem that McCarthy, uh, the speaker, is going to have in getting rid of Ilhan Omar from committees. Um, and that's that's an interesting. She might have he might have a real problem with that. He doesn't have the votes for it. So you know you got a lot of people rallying behind Omar. I don't think you can have anybody rallying behind Swalwell or Schiff. And now Schiff has made his move. He's going to be running for the Senate. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll talk about Governor DeSantis and his decisions. And and uh, and is Donald Trump back on Facebook? And what will that look like? I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. God bless you. God bless Israel. And God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.